We finally have football to talk about. Michigan goes out, does exactly what it's supposed to do. Was it a little ho-hum? It was, but nonetheless, this is exactly the type of thing you want to see. We're going to talk about Michigan's 30-3 win over East Carolina in week one on this episode of Locked on Wolverines. You are Locked on Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Happy Labor Day. We're back and doing it. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And we are going to get into the nitty gritty when it comes to Michigan's 30-3 win over East Carolina. Uh, a lot to like, lots of questions, I guess you could say. I certainly have. I tried to encapsulate it on the field uh, in the immediate post game. We'll get better at those while I'm trying to maintain all the camera equipment and tell you everything that happened while having barely just digested it in a in a place that I'm allergic to the things, the field turf. So it's a it's a it's a lot. But we're going to figure that out. But we're going to get into it today a little bit more thorough now that we've had time to digest it. Haven't rewatched it. Was going to sit down and rewatch it then uh, after we finished uh, this. So uh, that's uh, that's where we're at. Uh, so Michigan wins 30 to three against East Carolina. It wasn't the 55 to six that I had envisioned. But nonetheless, it was still a good showing. Uh, I do want to. Uh, to make sure I have all, all of the stats ahead of me. But we do obviously know that J.J. McCarthy, 26 of 30, three touchdowns and 280 yards through the air. I mean, he's the, the third best quarterback, according to PFF at the moment, in all of college football. He is the best in all of the power five in all of college football, completed 87% of his passes. That's a uh, Michigan record, Jim Harbaugh said, when it came to... Uh, passing for 30 or more times and having that completion number. I mean, that it, that's an insane amount. That's an insane clip, right? This this is where what we saw early last season, right? And I, it's a little bit different because it started like four for four and then like, I don't know, 12 for 15 or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it was a really, really impressive outing for JJ. Just wheeling and dealing, and as someone mentioned in my Twitter mentions, I mean, even some of those were drops too. So he should have had an even higher percentage. He was that good. Can't play much better than he did. We'll get to what I want to see more in the second segment and the what I think concerns me part, because there is something that does concern me. Two things when it comes to JJ McCarthy. But uh, we'll spend this first segment talking about what went well. Uh, And I think that J.J. McCarthy is the most obvious one. Number two would be Roman Wilson, who had three touchdowns, hat trick. Six, uh, Six receptions out of eight targets, 78 yards. That's about as... Remember, I, I've been long saying, die Devontae Smith. Only two yards after the catch, but I mean, it, when you get three of your six receptions are in the end zone, you're not going to get any yards after the catch. It's the other three. I'll have to go back and, and, and see some of those to just kind of remember them. But uh, very, very good outing for him. Great start. You needed wide receivers to come up big. And let's also mention Cornelius Johnson. He had... Uh, Five receptions out of six targets. So the only other person who, the people who didn't uh, 
didn't come down with completions that were targeted were Max Bredesen and A.J. Barner. Uh, Barner's, I believe, was a drop. Max Bredesen's, I don't remember his. But Cornelius Johnson, five receptions for 71 yards, 12 yards after the catch. I mean, just wheeling and dealing, man. That's all it was. Like, he was out there making these big receptions. Like, these were, like, the types of catches that you are not used to necessarily seeing Cornelius Johnson make. Right? I mean, his Ohio State touchdowns were awesome. But one of them was, you know, just a dump off that he took to the house after making guys miss. That was impressive. The other one is just wide open. Just had to kind of sit under there and wait for it. Got it. Went for it. The catches he had this, uh, this Saturday were a little bit different, right? So they, they were of a different variety. They were tougher catches. The one he snatched out of the air for a first down, I thought was maybe his best catch. Yeah, outside of the touchdown that he scored against Indiana a couple years ago. I thought that was a really great sign for where Cornelius is, considering how much he's talked about that he has worked to get a lot of different things more consistent, better, all of those things. I feel like we saw that in week one. The other really, really, really good thing I thought just was the whole of the defense. I know some people are going to complain about the pass rush. I've seen it on the message boards, but I disagree. I absolutely disagree. I thought the pass rush was wonderful. It's just they didn't get home. That was the, dis- I mean, it was disappointing that it didn't get home. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but they got rid of the ball. East Carolina did very, very quickly, and they did so constantly it, because they knew that the pass rush was coming. And the pass rush absolutely affected the quarterbacks for East Carolina. East Carolina's quarterbacks between Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn uh, completed uh, 17 for 29, so better than 50%, with an interception, no touchdowns, 132 total yards. Uh, I thought that that was absolutely wonderful what they were able to do as far as the the pass rush. Uh, As far as defending the run, uh, could have been a little bit better, but some of that came late, right, in the garbage time because Michigan was sitting around allowing uh, 100 and, like 130-ish yards, and they ended up allowing 235, 235 yards on the day uh, ultimately. But, uh, tw- sorry, 26 carries, 103 yards. is an average of four yards per carry. Um, ultimately, mostly clogged it up. I just thought that that was a really amazing job, what they were able to do as far as the as far as defending the run. All in all, just great effort by the defense. I thought it was the saddest field goal in the history of field goals. James Franklin would have even looked at that last second field goal and said, now that's just pathetic. If that tells you anything. Uh, I understand that East Carolina has a has a streak it was trying to continue of not being shut out, but I'm sorry, you're getting, you've got your starters out there and you're trying to score against Michigan's like fourth string at this point as time expires on a field goal. I mean, that is, to me, you don't deserve it. If I was Michigan, I would have been like, all right, I'm not, I I say this (laughs) again, for those listening, wearing a Yahweh shirt and a Jesus is King hat. This is the level of petty I would be in the football game. I would have thrown my first team defense back out there. And been like, what are you doing? To me, like that, that, that was just sad. Okay, let the baby have its bottle, ultimately. But 
again, the defense looked as hoped. Very fast. I, I disagree a bit with some of the PFF grades. Like, I had Ernest Hausman as kind of middling in the top 10. I, I thought Ernest Hausman was incredible. Uh, I thought Kenneth Grant was the best player on the field. And uh, I, I know a lot of people disagreed with me on that for uh, just, again, reading the message boards and such. I, I definitely, he was impacting so many plays. It got to the point when Mason Graham was out there, I was like, oh, I wish they put Kenneth Grant back in. What does that tell you, man? I mean, like the, the ascension of Kenneth Grant, so good. I mean, Mason Graham played great. Kenneth Grant was just that good. Mike Sanders still obviously had a game. Really disappointing that uh, Josh Wallace's interception didn't stand. But, I mean, this was just everything that you kind of hope for. Maybe the score's a little lower. Mixture of different confluences of events here. Like, the, the Michigan probably had about a, a drive's less worth of plays, uh, thanks to the new clock rule. That That is something that didn't really take into account. Some other things there as well. Um, we're going to continue on. Let's talk about the things that I did not like. We're going to do that here in just one moment. But now is the time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Roman Wilson, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They take non, make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. So, my, my, as you can tell, my player is Roman Wilson. It's not just one play, it's three plays. Three touchdowns, especially his last one, going up and getting it. Wonderful throw. Type of throw that you could often see go right through the receiver's hands. Roman Wilson snatched it down. That officially secured victory for the Wolverines, getting them to 30 points on the day. So hats off to you, Roman Wilson. Uh, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Their brews are great tasting and award winning, and they beat out full strength beers in global competitions. They are that good. They brew over 50 styles. That's 50, five, zero styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden sours, and more. So you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use the code LOCKEDON to receive 15% off of your first online order. That's LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off of athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. So I'm sure many of you saw I had a picture go viral. Not from my accounts, though. It's kind of frustrating, right? (laughs) It's not a big deal. But uh, I'm just happy to have taken that picture of uh, J.J. McCarthy uh, getting off of the bus uh, with the free Harbaugh of it all. For some reason, it is drawn the ire of every, not even rival fans and rival media, like just a lot of people in general. And like they like to point out, like, oh, it's a self-imposed penalty. Yeah, it doesn't mean that like Harbaugh and the players liked it, right? It's not like they were like, yay, all right, no gym this week. It's not like the, you know, the, the teacher's out of the room for 15 minutes and they trash the place. That's not, that's not what that is. Of course they want him back. Of course they want him free. It's, it's a ridiculous situation in the first place. Michigan doesn't agree with what's happening. They're just trying to get ahead of it so they don't get penalized more, right? NCAA wanted four games and then said, no, we want more. And Michigan's like, okay, we're going to give them three games. Just please leave us alone. So, yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure anyone watching or listening knows the picture I'm speaking of that I took 
very happy to see it blow up the way it did. Week one, college football have probably the most seen college football picture. It's pretty, it's pretty, I don't want to say humbling. People use the word humbling wrong often. It's an honor. I'll say that. It's an honor. Um, just if you use it, please give, just give photo credit. That's all I ask. Just give photo credit. Um, anyway. Uh, so what went wrong for Michigan? There were a couple things. Um, defensively, not much. Really, it was I, I, the lack of sacks is it. Some missed tackles more so in the second half. Otherwise, I thought that they were good, right? There's not much to really say about it. It was just methodical and good, and so we can leave it there. So all of the, uh, the, the options that we have to talk about, mostly offensive. Before we get to the offense, let's talk special teams, uh, because James Turner missed, uh, what, two on the day? Pull this up to make sure that I'm good here. Uh, I do have this up already. I just have to find exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, all right. I don't know if it has it the way it used to. They've changed the way they do these box scores, like the higher-end box scores here. Uh, so, he missed the extra point, obviously, and then he was one for, uh, is that one for two. No, that's ECU. I don't know. what this, this says 0 for 5, so that's not correct. That is absolutely not correct. He didn't miss five field goals. Five field goal attempts. Anyway. Uh, but he, he missed the field uh, one for two. Okay, there it is. It's just in a different thing here. One for two, and they missed the extra point. So it feels like two. You don't want to see that. Uh, did hit a long one, so that's good news. Tommy Doman showed off his big leg. Uh, some electricity with both Jake Thaw and uh, Carmelo English returning kick, so that's good. Uh, that's, that's what you want. Um, and, yeah, that basically covers special teams. It was okay. They didn't give up anything big. They didn't do anything Totally egregious, aside from missing field goals, but, I mean, the, the PAT is the most egregious thing. You don't want that. Should have at least, at least been 31-3. to three. For some reason, 31-3 to three feels better than 30-3. to three. Uh, As far as the rest of the team, now, obviously, I think you probably know that my big gripe here is the lack of a run game here. Michigan with 31 carries for 122 yards. It's an average of 3.9 yards per carry. Yes, that is less than what uh, what ECU had. Now, that said, I'm fully aware that ECU was loading the box, going cover zero all game, and basically daring Michigan to pass, which Michigan acquiesced. They were like, we will oblige you. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but um, So it's, it's, that's great that Michigan took advantage. But here's my thing when it comes to this. Michigan has been spending all offseason with this whole beat Georgia drill, right? The whole point of it is to be so physical and dominant up front that you can run the ball against a stacked box when every single person in that stadium knows that you're going to run. And Michigan couldn't do it when they needed it. First drive, going three and out, backed up in their own end zone. Uh, the, the lack of touchdown that happened on the what would have been the final scoring play for Michigan, which ended in a botched handoff. Obviously, you don't want to see botched handoffs anymore, given what happened the last game. But to me, you just it just needs to be better. 
And part of it might be they're working through this offensive line, right? Like, we don't know if we're going to see Miles Hinton next week. They did give him to us in the media, and he even said, listen, I don't think I did a very good job. So, uh, I, I, I feel like once it's solidified, then it better, I mean, it better be better because otherwise every team's going to do this. Now, you might just be able to beat every team with J.J. McCarthy, th- you know, throwing the ball all over the place. But... You want your best running back duo in the country, supposedly, to be able to run the football. And they're going to obviously need to continue to run the football. I mean, they were, as Jim Harbaugh pointed out today, balanced 31-31 in the run in the pass. Pass, obviously, we only got to see one Davis Warren go at it, and he was 0-1. That has people concerned. I'm not concerned about it yet, right? Like, I would have liked to have seen him more. But overall, I think that Michigan did. Michigan mostly did a good job. I know people are complaining about Blake Corum. He's not the same Blake Corum. Again, I think it has more to do with the offensive line and the lack of push they were getting and seeing some of those things where they did had some missed assignments and things of that nature. The highest graded offensive lineman, by the way, according to PFF, was Drake Nugent. Higher than Zach Zinter, higher than... Trevor Keegan. So take that for what it's worth. But um, that's just by offensive grade overall. But I would like to see that get better. That is the biggest concern for me. And maybe it's an aberration, right? Probably is. They, they, they got played a little bit different than they have in other games. The other parts that I want to see is the JJ run game. I know he doesn't want to run or at least they don't want him to run in moments like these, but uh, he had uh, a tackle. He was tackled for a loss, so a sack. That's it. You know, design run from JJ roll out, like on that touchdown that wasn't. Uh, would like to see something that's a little bit better than just we're going to hit it up the middle because after it didn't work three times, then they were going to try to do it a, uh, another time and it just, you know, fumble. So would like to see something a little bit more sharp there. Um, otherwise, what else do I got? I know I had something else. I had one other thing. And it completely eludes me at the moment. Well, that's just going to have to be it because we're running up against it. Let's talk about some of the around the Big Ten because there are certainly a couple things to talk about there. We're going to do that here in just a moment. Before we do, get ready for the NFL season, which starts this week with your Detroit Football Lions, if you are a local person and insane, uh, with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's a heck of a deal. Now, is now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It was a little late getting out. I kind of liked the uh, the Friday show, doing it live in Frankenmuth. I might do that again this week <laughs> if the weather's nice. I don't know. It's kind of fun doing it, just doing it on location. Uh, we still have to figure out how to get the sound to be a little bit better than it was, but we'll work that out. We might just do more on location podcasts just for fun. 
Um, probably also as far a matter of housekeeping, I might switch the mailbag from Thursday to Friday this year and do our preview show on Thursday. And we will have a celebrity guest joining us every week. They couldn't do it last week. I have confirmed we are doing it this week. And we don't know if it's going to be every other week. Hopefully it'll be every week. That's the plan. That's the goal. Is someone that every single one of you knows. We'll reveal that day of. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, what we saw from some other teams. Now, I didn't get to see every other game. Some I had to listen to. Ohio State and Indiana, I listened to. I didn't watch it. Um, but I am pretty accustomed to listening to Ohio State and hearing their... They have a really like regal play-by-play caller that you would not expect. Like If you've been to Ohio Stadium and you hear their PA announcer, you're like, okay, yeah, the voice matches this place. But like they have like a very regal sounding play by play caller. His name escapes me at the moment. Uh, but uh, I listened to that game. I watched uh, about two thirds of the Michigan State CMU game. I watched all of the Penn State West Virginia game. So here are my takeaways from all of these. Let's start with the uh, Michigan State. Uh, kudos to MSU which I'm sure is not exactly what you expected me to say at the beginning here. Kudos to MSU for doing what a Big Ten team should do to a MAC team in the second half. Shut them down, wore them out, and dominated on both sides of the ball in the second half, at least the two-thirds of the second half. The first, I don't know, three-fifths of the game, however, I mean, they looked to be the equal of Central Michigan, a not currently not good MAC team. They were getting pushed around on both lines. Now they figured some things out and they played better. They gained some confidence. But if it takes them that long to gain confidence against other teams, namely anybody in their division, they're not going to do well. Now, this next week for MSU is a rebound. They play Richmond. That should go well for them, of course. But then they get Washington. So I think they'll still start off 2-5. and five. That Nathan Carter as a running back looked really good. I don't, uh, they, I don't think that any receivers really blew my mind. Noah Kim actually ended up playing pretty good, 279 yards. But uh, I, I do feel like there's that's not a team that particularly scared me and in the least. And I think that it was interesting just kind of seeing online how MSU fans memory hold the first half uh, after the game was done. Right. It's the typical we won by one point. I know they won what 31 to 7 or 31 to 10 or whatever it was. Uh, they won by it's like when they would win by one point and suddenly say we dominated or lose. You know, in 2016, they lost to Michigan and then somehow said that they dominated the game, mixed with defeated with dignity, mixed with all kinds of weird tropes that come out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, that's MSU. It doesn't scare me. But then again, we've seen MSU teams, again, more so a decade ago, literally a decade ago, look really bad before they face Michigan and then face Michigan and end up looking really good. I don't know that that's what this is. But they have half a season to figure it out, and they might not have a chance to really figure it out with all the teams they have to play. Let's go Penn State next. 
Um, I thought Drew Aller looked incredible, as pretty much anyone else did. I mean, he threw for, what, 320 yards, 325 yards? Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Looked like he was in full command of the offense. Made the right throws, made throws with touch, made throws all over the field. Um, did so while not still. I, I don't think that offensive line is that great. And managed to still be able to, to, to move and move the pocket and do what he needed to do. Uh, I don't know that their defense is as advertised. Again, remember West Virginia. West Virginia is about the same caliber of a team as ECU is on paper, at least. We'll find out more, you know, throughout the season, right? ECU could be great. ECU could be bad. West Virginia could be great. West Virginia could be bad. You know, you never know. That's one data point for the season. But Neil Brown has been on the hot seat. He's considered the Power 5 coach probably the most on the hot seat of any entering this season. So not exactly uh, a team that should be contending. Penn State was in a battle for a while and then pulled away. So good for them. Their receivers are as advertised. The middle of their defense still just looks very susceptible. I'm not talking about Abdul Carter. I just, I mean, every, everywhere else. But even he got juked a few times. I still think that that looks like Michigan's game to lose. Again, things can change in a hurry. If Michigan doesn't learn how to run the ball and Penn State shores up its problems, then it, that can flip. Likewise, Michigan could suddenly run the ball all over everybody from here on in. And no one will be any wiser. I know one thing I did want to look up, and I pulled up uh, CFB stats to check this out. Not that it's even a stat, but I wanted to uh, to quickly here. So 2022, season opener notwithstanding, okay? So Georgia played Oregon and destroyed Oregon. But then week two, they played Samford and FCS school, 133-0. to zero. The year before, they opened with Clemson, 110-3. Clemson, obviously, is a tough school. So not always are you going to see a situation where you're going to have uh, the team just, like, put up 50, 60 points, just like I thought they were, but whatever. Um, all right, let's get to Ohio State real quick. Listened to the second half from Ohio State, and it just sounded different than what I've ever heard. Normally, you're used to hearing all of these like, you know, oh, there's pressure. Well, guess what? Quarterback made them pay huge gain. Marvin Harrison Jr. Or, you know, you go back Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, blah, blah, blah. Wasn't happening. Lots of incomplete. The, the best running back appeared to be Chip Tranum. I mean, he played well against Michigan. But that's just that the fact that Marvin Harrison had two catches for 18 yards. Mecca Buka did next to nothing as well. Travion Henderson did close to nothing. He did less than even Michigan's backs did. Mayan Williams did okay. Not not ideal for Ohio State. If they play the way they did against Indiana in three weeks, they'll lose to, to Notre Dame. Now, I predict that they'll lose to Notre Dame, but they we finally see what they maybe look like without having a quarterback that can change the game. The bad news for Michigan is, is they play the game at the end of the season. They can figure out a lot between now and then, but right now... This Ohio State team does not look good offensively. Defensively, I don't know because it's Indiana. Indiana is not exactly a bastion of offensive talent at the moment. This isn't Chaos Team Indiana. This is Tom Allen Indiana. Chances are they're going to get you defensively, which they apparently did. And I don't expect them to uh, to keep you in keep Ohio State that much in check. Make Ohio 
Ohio State made Indiana look like Iowa, but not even the Iowa that they played last year when they scored like 49 points against them, right? So it's troubling. Ohio State has an offensive identity that carries them through, not a defensive one. If they don't figure that out, which they very well might, they're going to be in trouble. All right, we're, we're running over time here. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We're going to be back on Tuesday. We'll get into more of just kind of this press conference stuff that we had today, and we'll move it on from there. Um, and I don't know if I have a plan outside of Thursday, and that's when we'll, we'll debut our guy. So that'll do it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Peace.